And then I look at like in second in first Peter it says, um, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And so it's so interesting how sometimes we just think of ourselves as just the church in America, but really we are one with a worldwide body. And it's so exciting to see what God is doing around the world and where the church is persecuted the church is growing and so we are just so encouraged so back there there's a uh, little thing set up and what i would love for you to do i don't want to take any of those home (laughs) so if you have friends that you know would be interested take extra ones okay so all there is is like there's a magazine that you can pick up and it just has stories about the persecuted church. And in it is a, a free map that will allow you to pray for persecuted Christians. And there's a bookmark. Um, and you can excel, it tells you how to pray for them. Um, you can fill it out and send it in if you want more information on the persecuted church. Um, or you can just take it and use it as bookmark. So um, it's really uh, Voice of the Martyrs is basically um, they put on the national inter- International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. But they have actually a, their founders who are um, Richard and Sabina Wormbrand, I always get their name wrong, they have an incredible story their love story and how they came to faith and then uh, their their persecution and then they then became the founders of this movement that has given and prayed for persecuted Christians all over the world. And so it's really interesting, only for three days in theaters, starting tomorrow, Monday, then Tuesday and Wednesday, the movie Sabina is going to be in theaters and it's at seven o'clock and it is um, at Marcus uh, is it Marcus Point the- Cinema. So you can go online and you look up Sabina the movie and then it'll give you a, a, like a, a connection that you can get tickets for that movie. Now it is about, um, it, it's going to have some intense scenes so it, you, you need to look at it before you take kids to go, but it's just a, a wonderful story of the, the Christians who have seen it have just been so encouraged, just her story of forgiveness and how then they went on to set up a, this, this incredible ministry that ministers to Christians all over the world. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Kristen. Let's clap for her. She goes back to the chair. Most of you know, for those that don't, uh, Kristen and her husband, Jesse, who led worship. Their daughters are missionaries uh, here in town. And because of University of Wisconsin's unique place in the world and people that come here to learn, um, they're really on the front lines. And many of the people they minister to here then go back to places where persecution is um, 
persecution looks different than it does here uh, at times. So thank you for sharing a sliver of your heart for uh, what this is. I know there's so much more. And um, yeah, I guess as we were talking about uh, what, what Kristen had on her heart to share, like we want to invite all of us into this. Um, She shared with me that often the folks they're in touch with over there say, well, we pray for America. We pray for the Christians in America. And so I think that's a good question to ask us. Do we pray for Christians overseas regularly? I know uh, Jim Melton in our men's group, he's always reminding us what's going on. He has prioritized for years what's happening over there. They have family over there. So... Um, Lance is going to preach on a lot of this, so I don't want to go too far further, but just to ride on what Kristen said, let's, let's fall feel invited into partnering with our brothers and sisters there. If one of us was thrown into jail for our faith here, it would wreck us, and we would be like, that would be front and center. So let's do whatever we need to do to pull what's happening there front and center. Uh, in Matthew 5, 11, it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So you're blessed when you're persecuted. And um, I think at times we kind of get in this mode of saying, let's pray for a straight path, Lord. And these people who are over there being persecuted are saying, just keep me faithful. This isn't no, this isn't no straight path when I'm sneaking Bibles into a nation that doesn't believe in the Bible. That's not, right. just not going to be a straight path. So let this be, call me a faithful servant is what their prayer is. So uh, Jesus reminds us of that, reminds us of that Matthew 5. So we're going to pray for the persecuted church, and then we're going to do like we always do, pray for another church in the city. And um, I look up to so many pastors in this town, ours included, uh, not because he's physically taller than me, um, but because of his character and his love for the Lord. Amen. But I have met one that I now look up to for those reasons, as well as because he's a six foot seven cowboy from Wyoming um, who just came here this summer. His name's Pastor Steve German. And um, he had boots on, that's why I had to look up to him. Um, but he and his wife just moved. They have a two year old daughter, came here from Wyoming, loves the Lord. Um, he was an econ major in college and felt called directly into the ministry. So they have a church over off of Buckeye Road. So we're going to pay for Pastor Steve this morning and their body. And um, we're going to pray for the persecuted, persecuted church. So would you join me? Father, this is um, just such a privilege right now. This is our uh, moment in our service where we put Metro Believers Church second and we say others are first right now. We, we want to think of other people exclusively. And so, Lord, we're going to start with Pastor Steve and, and his church, Grace Evangelical Church. Um, and we pray for you to bless them in their gathering. I know they've, they met at nine already. Um, I pray that with the extra sleep, they worship extra hard today and that they connected with you. And I just pray that as, as Steve and his family get connected in the city, that you would surround him with the right brothers, the right uh, Barnabas types to encourage him, and that he would find a Paul, that he would have plenty of Timothys, Lord, that you just get settled here and uh, find his place to com complete what you've called him to do here in the city. Thank you for that body. Thank you for every participant, every worker, every servant, everyone that loves you there. Bless them. And Lord, we think about uh, the persecuted church. We think about 
Um, persecution in a lot of ways certainly it's a continuum. It doesn't feel good when people make fun of you with their words. Um, that's persecution. Um, so we don't want to make light of that. But Lord, we're talking really this morning with a focus on people who are directly giving up their lives because they proclaim they love you or putting themselves, their families at risk. And so we lift them up now. We pray for uh, the, the, the persecuted church in general to feel renewed and confident in the mission you called them to. Um, we pray that the power of the gospel, as is described in Romans 1.16, would just be fresh and new, that they would sense and feel that power and see it in action. And Lord, we pray that as a church, globally, that we'd all pay closer attention to what's happening the enemy loves to get us distracted, fill us with our own priorities, but this is clearly, your church is, is the priority, and not just the church in our backyard, but the church in the world. So and help us to feel invited in and participate in what you're doing in the persecuted church globally. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Find it. 
with this or we don't. Richard and Sabina, like many Christians during World War II, had a choice. Lay low and hope the worst passed them by. Or get involved and be the hands and feet of Christ. All at great personal risk. Christians, living in hostile areas and restricted nations, are bold witnesses for Christ. Choosing to give up their comfort and safety in this world in order to find a life that counts for eternity. The first request from our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters is, will you pray for me? As we pray for them to endure opposition in order to advance the gospel, May we be inspired by their example to pay any price necessary in obedience to Christ. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, it would be great if there would be a group of people that would go and see the movie. If you do, um, please let others know so that we can join with you too. It's exciting that it's just down the road here at Marcus Point Cinema, the movie Sabina. I want to um, just thank as well. Tri All right. <laughs> Kristen for just bringing this to our attention. Jeannie Wagner too. Um, Jim, Milton, thank you for your prayers for the persecuted church. I want to um, share a little bit about this this morning, but I want to I speak to all of us today about giving our all for Jesus, being all in. You know, we, we cannot take for granted the, the ability, the opportunity that we have to worship together in a, a place like this this morning. Right here, you know, I'm watching out the back window, the cars on the, on the belt line, and it's such a privilege. So today, as we had already mentioned, is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And this upcoming week, November 7th through the 14th, um, is a week that they're encouraging Christians worldwide to set aside to pray. So please um, take the resources, commit to pray, to remember the Christians who are being persecuted all throughout the globe. And then also, if you forget to grab that or if you are somewhere and you want to be praying and you don't have your prayer list with you, you can go on the Facebook page, Metro Believers Church, and the, the prayer sheets are there as well. As I was just um, doing some research and studying, I think what makes this even more pronounced to me is what happened in Afghanistan. And the persecution there 
becoming one of the, um, the, I believe it's the largest globally now persecuted church in the world. But they join um, others like North Korea, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Eritrea, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, Nigeria, India, and there are several other countries who are imprisoning, beating, putting to death Christians today. Every day, 13 Christians worldwide are killed for their faith. One in eight are persecuted. 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. And 12 um, Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned while another five are abducted daily. The suffering of the persecuted Christians around the globe is real. And as our world gets darker, it won't be long until we face similar persecution for our faith here in America. And so this leads me to ask a couple of questions. And um, really, these questions highlight or serve as the foundation for what I want to share with you this morning. Number one, if serving Jesus cost you your life, would you still serve him? If serving Jesus cost you your life, would you still serve him? And number two, if getting together corporately like we are right now, joining together in community with other followers of Jesus, meant risking your very life, would you still do it? Would it still be important to you? Richard and Sabina Wormbrand and hundreds of thousands of Christians worldwide have answered with a resounding yes to both of those questions. And for many of them, their total commitment to Jesus Christ has cost them their lives. So today I want to speak to you about giving your all to Jesus. And I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And we're just going to have one verse this morning that we're going to be looking at. It's a powerful verse in the book of Romans. The author is the Apostle Paul, and it's in verse 1. Once you get there, if you can stand, whether it's in your Bibles or your devices, let's stand together and um, read that together. Before I read Romans 12, I just love what Matt shared that, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God, Paul said, unto salvation. And um, that's the power for many of these persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel, the power of God in our lives, to stand for you, to be totally all in for you, Jesus. Father, I pray as we look at the examples of, of those who are serving you in countries where it is against the law to be a Christian, it, it means death or imprisonment to be a Christian. Father, I pray that as we look at their examples and we, we look at our own lives, that we would answer this question this morning. Are we going to be all in? Are we going to give you our all, Lord? Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's seven questions to ask and answer about this verse, and I'm going to go through them quickly this morning. 
Um, number one, if you're taking notes, is who is Paul speaking to? Who is Paul speaking to? He says, you brothers. He's using the Greek word adelphos, which often is translated brothers, but he's also speaking to all Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's speaking to everyone, and he's not just speaking to the Christians at Rome in the first century, but he's speaking to us as believers today and beyond. Brothers. Why should we do, number two, what Paul's going to ask us to do? He says, I appeal to you. Other translations substitute the word appeal for urge or beseech, exhort, implore. So he says, I urge you to. There's an urgency in his voice. This is the language of grace and not law. I want you to notice that Paul is not commanding them to do something, but he's simply appealing to them with gentleness, the gentleness of Christ. He's saying, I urge you, I, I beseech you, I implore you, I exhort you. Therefore, therefore is a marker here or a signpost for us reading the text. Paul has been and writing to the church, chapters 1 through 11, and he gets to this point and he says, therefore, and, it, and, it, and that therefore stands as a marker, a signpost that's saying, I'm getting ready to take a turn, right? I'm going somewhere. I want you to listen, obey, or you'll be rerouted, right? You'll have to make a U-turn, the story of my life. <laughs> Just ask Phil and Shallon, who's followed me places before. Oh, man, we've got to make another U-turn? So Paul is saying here, listen, obey, I urge you, I appeal to you. Listen to my instructions or you'll be rerouted. So this, mark, this verse marks the transition from doctrine, the first 11 cha um, chapters of Romans to practical instruction, the next five chapters, from what we understand and believe to what we practice and, and what we do. And then he moves to, by the mercies of God, or in response to the mercies of God. And I want you to notice this morning that it's mercies, plural, and not mercy, singular. Wow, I could talk all morning about the mercies of God. His goodness yes. is running after me. His goodness is running after me. Mercy is defined as that compassion-based response of God to the plight of humans that causes him to forego what they deserve, punishment for sin, and give them what they do not, what they do not deserve, and that's forgiveness. Forgiveness. What are the mercies of God that God has extended to those who have placed their faith in Him? What are they? Here are just a few. He, he has blessed us with forgiveness and covered our sins so that they no, are no longer counted against us. When we were dead in our sin and unworthy of His grace, Romans 5, 8 says that he gave his life for us. He died on the cross for us. He promised us in Romans 8, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we have been set free from the law of sin and death. He has given us his Holy Spirit who intercedes and prays for us in our weakness. He has promised us in Romans 8 as well that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, not height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, right? will be able to separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's just a sampling of the um, various mercies of God. And the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. So there is even more mercy and goodness for us as believers. Picture a teeter-totter. I said seesaw and Lisa said it's teeter-totter. Says you're old if you say seesaw. Just for a show of hands. Seesaw or teeter-totter? <laughs> seesaw. So if you just imagine, picture a teeter-totter, you know, that, that thing, all right, on your playground, um, elementary school playground. And on one side is God's mercy and grace, a ton of it, right? And on the other side is the heart of, of the believer, your heart, overwhelmed with grace, overflowing with gratitude. Your heart should soar high. Your heart should soar high with gratefulness towards God. Church, the Bible says that before Christ, we were dead. We were blind. We were orphans. We were slaves to sin. We were outsiders, undeserving. Yet in his mercy, God showed us grace by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us. So he's saying, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore... By the mercies of God or in response to the mercies of God to do what? What is Paul appealing for us to do? He says to present. To give something to another. And I want to substitute the words present with offer this morning. Because I oftentimes picture for myself. I often think about when, um, when someone says I present you with something. That's like a one time thing. I present this award to you. It's like a one-time transaction. Here, here you go. I'm giving something to you. I think the word offer is a better word in this context because I think um, to present is one time, but to offer is a continual offering. I continue to offer. Here's a few thoughts about offerings. This isn't offering something to receive something in return. Okay. God is not Mon Monty Hall or Wayne Brady from Let's Make a Deal. You know, it's like, it's not, do you want to offer that for what's behind curtain number two? That's not what this is talking about. We give an offering because of what we've already been given by him. What are we to offer? Paul says, offer your bodies, your whole person, everything that you are. Physically, your hands, your feet, your eyes, emotionally, your mind and will, and spiritually, the deepest part of who you are. See, God has given each of us a spirit, a soul, and a body for a purpose. And you know what? They're not ours. They belong to Him. They belong to Him. So treat your body as a vessel of holiness rather than a temple of self-indulgence. You know one way to treat your body as a temple is to get rid of the clutter and the junk. The same stuff that, that you were inviting the Holy Spirit to live in this house and yet it's filled with clutter and junk. I believe that God is calling the church right now to get rid of the clutter and the junk. 
Some people are, are, are doing that at home. You know, COVID, you're, we've been spending a lot of time in our home over the last year and a half, and we're, we're noticing, like, man, we're hoarders. We need to minimalize. We need to get rid of some of this stuff. But the same thing, I think that could be a picture of, of us internally, that uh, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we would declutter and get rid of some of the junk and clutter in our own lives. See, the Bible says that we can't serve two masters, and there can't be two masters ruling our temple at the same time. So Paul is saying to, to offer your bodies, all that you are, everything, everything. And how are we to offer our bodies, number five, as a sacrifice? Obviously, Paul is drawing on Jewish imagery here. Jews, of course, um, know what it meant to, to offer all kinds of sacrifices, to make grain offerings, animal sacrifices, but even Gentiles too were, were familiar with this practice, the sacrificial system. But Paul's appeal to offer our bodies as a sacrifice is different from these other sacrifices in three different ways. Number one, what kind of sacrifice is he asking us to present or offer? Number six, living sacrifices. See, sacrifices in the Old Testament were always dead. That's what happens to something when you kill it. But for us, after we offer ourselves to God, we stay alive. We're living sacrifices. Evangelist D.L. Moody once said that the problem with a living sacrifice is that it's always crawling off the altar. I don't know about you, but there are times when it gets tough as a believer and you just want to get down off the altar, right? What is that in us, that desire for control, to be in control of our destiny, to be in control of the output, the outcome? When I was 10 years old, I gave my life to Jesus and it was an important moment in my life. But it wasn't a one-time deal. It wasn't a one-time offering. I have to read up continually. I have to say, Lance, you need to get back up there on the altar and stay put. Pastor Tim Keller, founding pastor, Redeemer, Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, once said, to be a living sacrifice is to be fully at God's disposal. It means actively to be willing to obey God in anything he says in any area of life and passively to be willing to thank God for anything he sends in any area of life. So what kind of sacrifice is it supposed to be? Living. Number two, holy. A holy sacrifice. What does holy mean? It means to be set apart for service. It means obedience to God. It means to be consecrated. And that word consecrated or consecration means permanence, like no take backs. No, it's not like I'm set apart here, Lord, I offer. And, but no, I, I want to take back. There's no take backs. We're, we're consecrated. We've consecrated ourselves to God. And the thing about holiness, um, though, is that, it, that the point of it is not about running away from the world. It's not to be set apart in the fact that we run away from darkness. Yes, we run away from darkness, but we, in, a, in a way we don't run away from it because the Bible says that we are the light of the world. So we don't run from darkness. We shine our light into it. The second thing here about holiness, uh, or the opposite, you know, because 
you either swing one way or, or the other, right? You either run away or you um, run and like a chameleon just kind of fit in with darkness. And I've been seeing that a lot lately in, in the church. Wasn't that long ago in the New York Times, it says celebrity pastor um, takes shots with singer-songwriter. And I won't um, say the name of the pastor or the singer-songwriter, but it, it saddened me. And it saddened me as I see other young ministers, ministers my age too, that are, are doing things that they would have never done for the fact of saying, I want to be authentic. I want to fit in. I want to I make people like Jesus. They cheapen grace. They sugarcoat it. They dilute it. They water it down. Friends, this is a costly discipleship. You know, getting drunk with someone is, doesn't make you, doesn't prove anything of, of authenticity. It proves that you're able to lift up a glass of alcohol to your lips. That's right. Swearing doesn't prove you are more accessible or authentic as a Christian. It proves only that you can use your mouth to utter four-letter words. And also might prove that you'd rather look like everyone else and, instead of being identifiably set apart. Which probably also communicates that following Jesus is in fact as super, superficial as what some non-believers think that it is. So it saddens me. Let's stop deluding ourselves and thinking that by shirking holiness we're advancing the cause of Christ because we're not. All we're actually doing is demeaning the name of Christ and his church by cheapening discipleship. I believe that people are looking for something that's real. Something that they can lay their lives down for. If he could lay down his life for me, I can live for him. Third type of sacrifice, Paul says, is an acceptable sacrifice. and A sacrifice that is pleasing to God. David said in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Contrite means to be broken. It means to be crushed. So having a contrite heart means recognizing our sinfulness and our brokenness. It means being humble and teachable. It means hitting rock bottom and realizing that only God can turn things around for us. Being broken and crushed is a prerequisite for being healed, forgiven, and transformed. It's like hitting rock bottom that, that, the, only, that the only solution is the way up, right? Is God. Number seven, why sacrifice ourselves? Paul says it's our spiritual worship. I think it's important to note that he includes the word spiritual before worship because it's not just worship. Everyone worships something, right? You don't get to decide to worship. The only choice you get to decide is what you worship. Yeah. To worship something means that you think that it has ultimate value, worth. It's worship. Worth, ship. Worth, ship. Whatever defines your worth or your identity is what you worship. Do an inspection, a quick inspection of your life. What, what defines my worth? What defines my identity? That equals what I worship. 
worshiping and focusing on the things of this world, like money, work, sex, power, just to name a few, doesn't lead us to where we need to be. It only leads us to wanting more and always coming up empty. Worship should be saved for the only one deserving of our reverence and adoration. Our Heavenly Father is not just another idol, friends. He's the creation of all that exists. Why don't you stand with me this morning in response and invite Jesse and the girls to come back. Just recap the scripture again so you can see it in its entirety. I, Paul, messenger of the gospel, in chains, knew what it was like to be all in for Jesus, to be shipwrecked, to be beaten, to be imprisoned. That's the author. That's the person speaking this. He's saying, I, Paul, all of those things, all of those things that he's experienced, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, brothers, my brothers and sisters in Christ, those within the household of God, the family of God. I appeal to you by the mercies of God, all the goodness, all, all the good that God is. I appeal to you by that in response to that. I urge you to present or to offer your bodies all that you are, spirit, soul, and body. Your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mind and will and emotions. All that you are to present, to offer that as a living sacrifice. Holy, consecrated, set apart for God. And acceptable, pleasing in his sight. He's saying, this is your spiritual worship. This is your spiritual worship. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning, Lord, for your mercies. For your goodness. Lord, I fires me up every time the goodness of God is on the song list because I just love that part, Lord. Give me everything I lay down my life for you. Your goodness is running after, it's chasing after me. And in full view, Lord, of all these mercies, Lord, you, by your spirit, are asking us this morning to lay down our lives for you, to be living sacrifices to be living sacrifices, to give her all. To give her all, Lord. Lord, why would we put our faith in anything else? Holy Spirit, I just pray it right now as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Lord. She would search our hearts. Lord, that we would pray like David did in the psalm. Search me, O God, and see if there's anything, anything, Lord, 
that is on the throne that shouldn't be on the throne of my life. Search. this looks like specifically for you I don't know and I can't tell you but I do know that this verse should be a baseline for every decision how you parent how you serve how you conduct your life how you treat one another This is why so many of our persecuted brothers and sisters can confess Jesus in the light of imprisonment or even death. Because they know his goodness. Jesse, lead us in this ending worship song this morning. Come back, we'll pray in just a minute.